This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Voters in one North Carolina congressional district will head to the polls on Tuesday in the most closely watched vote until the 2020 primaries begin. There are two candidates in this race. One is deeply aligned with President Trump. The other is a centrist, advocating for moderate policies and bipartisanship. This race comes under pretty unusual circumstances, but it may be the best barometer that the public will get for how certain voters in certain areas may vote in the upcoming presidential election. Today on the show, what one congressional race in North Carolina might tell us about the 2020 presidential election. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, September 9th. The 9th District of North Carolina is a fascinating place. Valerie Borline is a national reporter. It's very Republican. It's one of the most reliably Republican districts in the state. So this is a place that voted overwhelmingly for President Trump, far above the North Carolina average, which also voted for Trump. So this is a place where the Republican should win. But a Republican might not win. Part of the reason is that the population of the district is rapidly changing. The Charlotte suburbs, they're growing twice as fast as North Carolina is, which is growing faster than the U.S. as a whole. A little more than 60% of the voters are concentrated in the Charlotte suburbs. So you have this very dynamic, interesting suburban stretch of the district that Republicans and Democrats are looking at to say, what is it that swing voters who move to the Charlotte suburbs, you know, kind of reliably conservative, good schools, lots of soccer, what is it that they're interested in? What do they think about? But then this district stretches east another three hours. So you you kind of roll through some rural areas where there are not a ton of voters. So it's a really diverse district kind of out in the eastern stretches. So a candidate that's running there really has to speak to all parts of the electorate. The population change happening in this district is happening in suburbs across America. And people are watching this particular race because these changes have already had big electoral impacts. One of the things that we saw happen in 2018 was suburban red state places, like suburban Houston, suburban Dallas, suburban Raleigh, suburban Charlotte. Those places increasingly went Democratic, which was a surprise. Suburbs have been Republican territory for decades. And you started seeing a chiseling away of that strength. This race is one of the only real data points to tell us how voters in these key suburban districts are feeling before the 2020 primaries start. And the reason we're getting this opportunity now is because this election wasn't supposed to happen. In last year's midterm elections, a Democrat named Dan McCready came extremely close to winning. He lost by a super slim margin of just 900 votes, which is a remarkable feat in a district that, in 2016, voted for Trump by 12 points. 
But then, the Republican who won withdrew his victory after his campaign was accused of election fraud, of taking absentee ballots and casting them for their candidate. In February, the Board of Elections called for a new special election, and a new Republican candidate was chosen. That's how we got the two candidates we now have. The Democrat Dan McCready is younger. He's 36 years old. He made his fortune as a solar energy entrepreneur, and this is his first run for public office. He is an Iraq war veteran, which is one of the things he talks a lot about. He was an undergraduate when 9-11 happened and was motivated to enlist in the Marine Corps after he graduated. So he uses that experience to launch into the tagline of his campaign, which is country over party. Now I see politicians so concerned with partisan games, they've forgotten who they're supposed to serve. I'll put country over party to get things done. That's why I'll work with Democrats and Republicans to balance the budget. And what about the Republican? Dan is, um, they're both named Dan, but Dan Bishop is the Republican candidate. He's a 55-year-old lawyer from Charlotte. He's been in the office for a while in county commission in the legislature. He's predominantly known in the state as the architect of HB2. And in North Carolina, a new law that limits bathroom options for transgender people. Which, if you'll remember, is the transgender bathroom bill that caused a lot of headaches in the Charlotte area and in North Carolina a couple years ago. Yeah, a lot of companies were were protesting. And canceling investments, actually. That was the one that really got the attention of Republican legislators, including Mr. Bishop. Businesses boycotting North Carolina over its so-called bathroom bill is starting to add up. The Associated Press determining the law will cost the state nearly $4 billion in lost PayPal revenue. PayPal canceled some investments and others. So Dan Bishop is, uh, he prides himself, he'll tell you. He's a combative, um, quick-thinking uh, kind of legislative guy who is not afraid to take on big issues like that one. If he wins, it's a reflection that what the administration is doing is resonating in swing state America. But if the Democrat pulls off a big upset, then that also sets off some alarms in Republican circles about what's happening in places that Republicans really should be winning. After the break, how the Democrat is trying to pull off that upset and President Trump makes a special appearance. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of The Journal is brought to you by KPMG. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference. KPMG, make the difference. Welcome back. A huge amount of outside spending has poured into the race in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District, 
The Center for Responsive Politics tallies it at well over $10 million. That money is going toward TV ads, and most of it is boosting the Republican. Dan Bishop has staked his reputation on being closely aligned with the president. Earlier this summer, Bishop was on stage with Trump during what became a controversial rally. Representative Ilhan Omar. When the crowd erupted in chants, demanding to send back a member of Congress, a U.S. citizen who was born in Somalia. Trump will be back in the state to campaign for Bishop today. And Bishop is campaigning on Trump's policy agenda, too. He's lockstep with the president on issues like taxes and immigration. He'll build President Trump's wall, protect gun rights, defend our values. But Dan McCready has taken really the opposite track. He very, very rarely mentions President Trump's name, which is unusual in a a political environment where um, the president takes up so much of the oxygen But he's really focused on healthcare and education and prescription medicine, those types of things. And so it's been sort of a funny campaign to watch because they're really talking about two completely different parts of American politics. But this race isn't just about the policy differences between the two candidates. It's also shaping up to be a test of whether a moderate Democratic message can succeed in suburbs like this one. That's reflected in the candidates' two very different campaign styles. They're campaigning kind of across each other. So Dan Bishop, the Republican, is talking almost exclusively about national issues. His banner, kind of his marquee ad, features... These crazy liberal clowns. Dan Bishop, the Republican, standing amidst like this kind of field of punching bag clowns like you had when you were a kid. What's happening in Washington right now is crazy. With the faces of prominent Democrats like Nancy Pelosi members of the so-called squad in Washington, and also Dan McCready, and he promises... I'll go to Congress and fight these clowns for you. ...to be a reliable voice for President Trump. I'm Dan Bishop. I approve this message because it's time to let the air out of these clowns. Bishop's strategy is all about making sure his base is energized and ready to turn out for him on Tuesday. He spent a lot of time down east. He spent a lot of time in rural areas and the red bastions of the district, turning out that base vote, exciting core Republicans with the need to get out and vote and support him and send a message that what President Trump is doing is working. But Democrat Dan McCready is going after a different group. Remember those suburban voters who went for Democrats in 2018? If McCready can get them, and especially women in the suburbs— then it could send a signal to Democrats in the presidential race that a centrist message works. The key demographic that the McCready campaign wants to win is suburban women. Suburban women who may not be okay with the rhetoric coming out of President Trump, either spoken or on social media or what have you. As a centrist who's not engaged in, you know, name-calling and that sort of thing. So the McCready campaign feels like they really can pick up disenfranchised, conservative, suburban women. And you've spent a lot of time on the ground in this district talking to voters. What's your sense of how McCready's more centrist message is doing among those voters? You know, what I've learned talking to suburban women is it's just a mix, right? There are women who have always voted Republican and who voted for the president who'll tell you they've become a little bit tired of Um, Trying to keep up with the news has become sort of a a task, they'll say. I've talked to some 
Democratic suburban women who will say, you know, I've had this conversation in my book club and, you know, I still, I'm the only person voting for him or I'm the only McCready sign on my street. I was in a a brewery in um, Union County, which is this really fast growing exurb of Charlotte. And that's where about 30% of the votes in this district lie. And I was at this brewery for a McCready event. So it was essentially McCready going into reliably GOP territory. And while the group was in there, I was asking this one woman who was there, she was a Democrat, but her husband was Republican and she hadn't been able to flip him. So she was frustrated. She was like, I'm here to write postcards to to swing voters because I can't flip my own husband. Ahead of election day, the race is tight. There haven't been many public polls, but the ones that do exist show a dead heat. And as with many elections, it could all come down to voter turnout. And generally, it's hard to get people out for a single race on a random weekday. Both sides are nervous. Both sides will say, I talked to a a Democrat who's following it incredibly closely lately, and he said, are you asking me to bet my house? And I was like, yeah, I'm asking you to bet your house. And he said, well, if I had to bet my house, I'd give it 60% chance the Republican's going to win. But I'm, you know, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. You know, this is a pessimistic Democrat in a red area who's used to losing, and he still is not quite sure they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And if you had to bet your house? Well, if Dan McCready wins this, that is a siren, that, which is, I think is why it's attracting so much interest from, from the national parties. If Dan McCready pulls off an upset of this level in a very, very safe Republican district that hasn't voted for a Democrat in decades— That sends a serious signal that what the messaging is from Washington is not working in swing state America, which, you know, the the Charlotte suburbs and this district increasingly represents. And what about if Bishop wins? If Bishop wins, I think it's fascinating because Bishop has completely run his entire campaign, his ads, even his, his closing ad of the campaign, his video of the president supporting him and saying that the Dan McCready is a big supporter of socialism. Dan McCready is an ultra-liberal. He likes open borders, and he really admires socialism. Dan McCready, so if Dan Bishop, the Republican, wins, it's a vote of confidence in what's happening in Washington, particularly um, what President Trump is doing. So I think a lot of people who are watching 2020 are wondering which message resonates. Is it important to tie yourself to national politics or is it important to talk about bread and butter campaign issues? While this race might be a good barometer for 2020, the result itself will be short-lived. Because next year, North Carolina's ninth will be getting back on a regular election schedule. They'll have another election in 2020. And there's some speculation that whichever Dan loses may run again next year. That's all for today. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, rate and review it and tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.